Welcome. You're listening to Latin Waves with your hosts, Sylvia and Stuart Richardson. Latin Waves is more than just hot rhythms. This is a show about community, about creating a culture that is inclusive and based on fairness. Because everyone deserves dignity, respect, and has something to contribute. A new world is possible, and it all starts with us. The courageous efforts of frontline uh, workers uh, uh, in the health service, cleaners, cashiers in supermarkets in fighting this uh, pandemic and making sure things continue to, basic things continue to work. Uh, this is one thing. It's, uh, it's a glimpse of how society could be organized if instead of for profit, it will be organized in order, democratically in order to defend the general interests of, of the people, their health care and, and, their, and their livelihoods. That's the voice of Jorge Marti, Secretariat of Hands Off Venezuela. And this week's show, we speak to Jorge about the ongoing global pandemic, what should have happened sooner, and what as activists we could rally around now and keep our eye on. So stay tuned. You are listening to Latin Ways. I'm your host, Sylvia Richardson. I'm delighted to be joined by Jorge Martí. He's the Secretariat of Hands Off Venezuela. Welcome to our program, Jorge. Uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be with you again. Now, the COVID-19 pandemic has now gone viral worldwide. Um, can we talk a little bit about... Um, first of all, how are people in your region and um, how has how this new pandemic, which I think the economic collapse of capitalism, the constant cyclical uh, storms of capitalism have exacerbated our ability to not only um, keep people healthy, but, you know, to have a society that can aspire to health. Yes, obviously, this this uh, COVID nineteen pandemic is first of all a, a, a health crisis. Uh, it has spread very fast throughout the world, and right now in Europe, most countries are in one form or another <clears throat> under quarantine. People are being told to stay at home, to go uh, to work only in cases of essential work, and so on. And this has obviously penetrated the consciousness now of millions of people. I think the latest figure I've read is that about a third of the world's population is now in, uh, in one form or another of a lockdown. But this virus has two characteristics which make it uh, more deadly than other previous uh, pandemics. One is that it seems to, to spread very fast. And it also seems to spread when, when people still have no uh, symptoms for, for a few days before you develop any symptoms. So it's very difficult to uh, control its uh, spreading through, throughout the population. But the second one is that um, while for major, the big majority of, of people, it only provokes mild symptoms similar to a cold or, or a flu, for a minority, about 20% of all those infected will develop more serious symptoms uh, and, and, a, and a fraction of those will require intensive care hospitalization with uh, ventilators, oxygen, and so on. And because the virus is spreading very fast and uh, a lot of people require intensive care unit uh, treatment uh, at the same time. And this is what's putting the health care systems under a lot of strain. However, we must, we must go beyond the purely uh, health 
side of this because this is also has uh, social and economic uh, factors involved. For instance, the fact that for, for the last 10 or 12 years, there's been a relentless push towards cutting uh, healthcare spending through austerity policies in most Western capitalist countries and throughout the world. It means that uh, healthcare systems are now much less prepared to deal with an emergency like this. This is the first observation that we should make. In Italy, in Spain, in Britain, in many other countries, uh, there are less healthcare professionals, there are less hospital beds, there are less intensive care unit beds in hospitals, uh, and there's been a process of privatization, cutting down, uh, uh, reduction of the number of staff, and so on. Which, which means that now more people will die just because of that uh, reason. The second observation that we need to make is that many governments have, have taken very long in taking decisive action to prevent the spread of the virus and to prevent the, the, the spread of the contagion. And the reason for this is very clear. Trump said it the other day. Uh, we don't want to stop the economy. That is, the profits of a capitalist take precedence to what will be required from a health point of view to prevent the spread of the epidemic. What's required is a, is a total lockdown. All non-essential sectors of the economy should be closed down and people should be staying indoors uh, for, for a period of time, be that uh, two weeks or three weeks. But uh, the capitalists are resisting this. For instance, in, in Italy, there's been a wave of strikes for the last two or three weeks where workers are saying, what are we doing in a car factory producing cars in the middle of this epidemic where we're forced to go to work uh, in cramped conditions? Then we're forced to work in unsafe conditions where social distancing is not uh, observed. And we are risking infecting ourselves and, and spreading the virus to other people. And the only reason for that is because of the profit motive, making uh, capitalists will still want to make profits. And, uh, and, and therefore, they're putting the, the, the lives of workers at risk. So this is the second uh, observation. The first one is about the impact of austerity policies on the healthcare systems. The second one is the contradiction between the general interests of fighting the pandemic and the interests of the private owners of capital who want to still keep production even in these uh, conditions. And the third one, I, I will say, is uh, the fact that um, even in these conditions, the basic requirements have not been uh, met. Uh, for instance, the, the epidemic first affected China. So, and, and this was some weeks ago. So we know what happens and we know which methods are uh, uh, necessary to be implemented, and we also know which uh, supplies are needed, i.e. protective uh, masks, protective uh, equipment, and also respirators, ventilators, and, and, and oxygen uh, masks and ICU beds. And governments around the world, in Spain, in Italy, in France, in Germany, in the UK, in the United States, in Canada, they have had uh, a fair warning. They have had a few weeks to prepare for this, but in most cases they have not. They have not built new hospitals or they have not taken over uh, empty buildings to create hospitals. They have not uh, given even healthcare staff, uh, frontline staff, the necessary personal protective uh, equipment. Uh, and this is now a big scandal in all countries. And the only reason for this is because of money.
the, the, the governments are not very keen to spend uh, money. And only when it comes to, to the, when the crisis really hits them, then they start acting. And, uh, and by that time, it's already too late. So there are, there are many hundreds, possibly thousands of deaths from this uh, virus, which will have been avoided in, in a system that will have been organized around different uh, criteria, the, the criteria of saving people's lives rather than the criteria of uh, maintaining uh, the profits of few capitalists. So yes, the, the, the pandemic has, has a health care aspect to it, but there's also a very strong uh, uh, social and economic implications, which are making it uh, worse. Now, I, I want to talk a little bit about the what happens during the storms of, you know, whether it be a pandemic or simply when disasters happen. You know, when disasters happen throughout Latin America, we've seen a more rapid privatization of social services. And, you know, it's interesting that for 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 years now we've known that poverty kills people we've known that poverty makes people more vulnerable to disease more vulnerable to insecurity of all forms right so now that we have this pandemic it seems out of nowhere we're seeing private hospitals which is uh, you know adequate that they should arise and attend to this but i'm 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 concerned about what you point out is that for years we have been cutting to healthcare and universal systems of healthcare, and now is there a threat that you know this will lead to another wave of privatization that will deepen, you know, the neoliberalist agenda? Uh, yes, when in reality it should be precisely the opposite. I mean, I would say that in these conditions of emergency, government should be requisitioning uh, private uh, healthcare facilities to use them for this. Uh, in Britain, for instance, there are private healthcare facilities, and the government is now renting them out uh, in order to fight the pandemic. So, so they continue to give millions of pounds to the private sector so that so the private sector bosses can, can profiteer out of this um, healthcare emergency. And as you say, now, now uh, in the last maybe week or so, the pandemic has reached uh, what we usually describe as third, third world countries. And uh, in, in these third world countries, to start with, the, the healthcare system is, uh, is in a much worse state. Uh, these are countries that are highly indebted to uh, the international financial institutions which extract from them extortionate rates, uh, extortionate amounts of money in uh, debt, which was contracted in order to uh, purchase products from the advanced capitalist uh, countries in the first place. And, and these uh, countries have no money left to spend in healthcare, in education, because of these uh, policies and because of imperialist uh, looting. And uh, in these countries, the, the pandemic will be even worse. We, we haven't seen the, the last of this. We haven't seen the worst of, of this pandemic uh, yet, I, I don't think. And of course, uh, now they, they, all the governments are spending a lot of money. They're spending money in bailing out companies, in some cases in supporting uh, workers to a certain extent who had to uh, go home or been laid off. But uh, in reality, uh, as it always happens, it is a case of socializing losses uh, and privatizing profits. Most of these companies, the airline companies, 
the car industry and, and others, they, they made uh, huge amounts of money in the last few years out of the workers' uh, sweat and toil. And now, when they're in difficulties, they, they, uh, they put their hand out so that uh, the state bails them out with money which belongs to all of us because all this money that's being used, uh, $2 trillion in the United States, massive amounts of money everywhere, this money will be paid <clears throat> later on by the working class. Uh, and by the poor through uh, taxation, through austerity policies, or through inflation, or a combination of the three. Uh, and, and, and this is completely, uh, is complete madness. I mean, the, the capitalist system is making this pandemic much worse. And the lack of democratic planning of the economy, the lack of foresight, the, the, the fact that uh, private profits are put before people's lives is making the whole situation uh, much worse. Now, I am very aware that during this time, we really know who the essential workers are in society, who the essential people are. You know, when we look around the cleaners at the university, the cleaners at the hospital, the people who serve food, the people who tend to the stores to ensure that you have, you know... Um, ambulances and you know, the nurses, the doctors, all of these people are uh, essential to our well-being. And although doctors are, you know, fairly uh, well remunerated in most places, I would argue that some of the most vulnerable people during this pandemic are the ones that are least compensated for their work. And you know, they're, I bet they're not getting extra pay for their danger exposure. So can we talk a little bit about this conscientization that needs to occur among all workers? Because many of us as workers don't even see those people, you know, don't even see how essential they are to our well-being and how inequitable are the ways that they're, they're treated and compensated. Yes, you are right. And, and I think that this is changing now because like, for instance, the other day, the British government issued a list of what they consider key workers so that uh, some of them, if they need, can, can still take their kids to uh, school so that they don't have to stay home to look after them. <clears throat> and obviously, the list of key workers doesn't include stockbrokers, uh, state agents, capitalists, bankers. and No, it doesn't. Uh, obviously, the list of key workers is people who work in the NHS, people who work in the food uh, distribution and retail. Uh, and these kind of people, uh, as, as you say, uh, hospital uh, porters, cleaners, um, cashiers in supermarkets, uh, people who stack shelves in the supermarkets, people who work in poultry um, processing plants and so on. Uh, these, are, these are the people who make capitalism uh, work and, uh, and who have the most important uh, jobs in order to maintain life and to maintain health. And uh, as you say, many of them are extremely badly paid. Most cleaners, for instance, are in outsourced contracts, uh, barely earning the living wage. Many of them here in London don't have the right to holiday. They don't have the right to sick pay, um, for instance. Uh, and they are not even protected in the middle of this uh, pandemic, for instance. Uh, not even to talk about cleaners, but hospital staff, i.e., doctors, nurses, porters, and, uh, and uh, all sorts of jobs in, in hospitals, they don't even have the personal protective equipment that they need. They don't have masks, they don't have um, overalls, they don't have uh, hydro, uh, hydro sanitizing gels. 
they have nothing. And uh, I mean, in hospitals in Spain, they've been making uh, protective equipment out of things that they found. Um, rubbish uh, bags, bin liners, um, stuff like that. It's a complete uh, scandal, but I think it's also making people realize who are the workers that are essential for for the functioning of society and for the running of uh, for, for the for the defense for the for the protection of lives and and the health of the of the people. For instance, in Italy, in Spain, now here in Britain is starting again. People are coming out at 6 p.m. or at 8 p.m. and they are and they are making noise out of the windows and balconies. They're, they're clapping and applauding uh, essential workers. And this is obviously a very powerful uh, movement, and it will be very difficult for governments after this is over to argue that they shouldn't be paid, that they shouldn't get a pay rise, that they shouldn't be properly paid and cared for and, and protected. And uh, to this list, we could add the, the carers, people who work in social care um, sector, uh, who go to the home of uh, vulnerable people, the elderly, the, the disabled and so on, and they and they look after them. And they also continue to work in the middle of this pandemic, even though they've not been given any protective, uh, uh, personal protective equipment or anything like, like this. This is how capitalism uh, uh, works, really. And, and now many people are realizing and, uh, and there's a revulsion against it, I would say. I think that it's important that we learn from our histories. You know, when the epidemic of cholera happened in Haiti, we saw a massive privatization, not only of their health-providing systems, but also of many institutions in the country. And, you know, here in Canada, we're starting to see a lot of um, movement towards privatization from our universal health care program. And Ontario has been leading the charge trying to expand, you know, uh, private health care in the region, but also we see danger of privatization in BC and Quebec. And I worry that when people are confined to isolation, when we don't have an opportunity to come together, to share ideas, to be um, in contact with each other, all of these things, you know, get pushed, you know, in the dark. And then we wake up once, you know, gladly the pandemic has passed, but to find that we have a new kind of pandemic, one of rapid privatization, one of rapid cuts to our social networks and systems that we need to have uh, a sustainable society. Because to me, sustainable means being able to live and coexist and where everybody has a chance at life, not just those who can afford to buy it. Yeah, I mean, this is this is true what you say. They, they're going to take advantage of this again, first to, to socialize losses, make us pay for the bailout of the, of the rich and the wealthy and the big companies, and also to introduce measures like, like this for the privatization, for the encroachment of the private sector into the public health care, uh, when, when in fact this whole situation proves the opposite, that the opposite is what is needed, a uh, uh, well-funded, uh, properly resourced uh, uh, public healthcare system, free at the point of use uh, and universal for all. Um, but I will also say that this um, situation of national emergency, because it is in, in many countries, it is 
has also brought people together in, in a different uh, way. For instance, here in Britain, there's been the emergence, the springing up of uh, what is known as mutual aid groups. And these have uh, been created everywhere, in every border, in every ward, in every neighborhood, in every street. Uh, I think there's now about 2.5 million people who have volunteered to be part of these uh, groups. Uh, they, they get coordinated through WhatsApp, Facebook and other social media uh, tools. And they basically have uh, gone door to door to identify the most vulnerable people, people who are self-isolating or the elderly, people who can't go out. And they offered uh, in, a, in a volunteer way to, to, do er to run errands for them, to go to do shopping or to go to the food bank to pick up some food, medicines uh, and so on, just to keep in touch one, one with another in these times of uh, isolation and, and quarantine. And I think this is very powerful. It shows that human nature is instinctively social and cooperative. And, uh, and these organizations or groups, networks, that have now emerged in the middle of this emergency with an with a, um, eminently practical aim of helping people out, uh, they will not go away. If after this pandemic, the governments push privatization of healthcare, these people will stay together, or the majority of them will stay together, and will fight and resist this. People are also learning very valuable experiences about their own strength, their own ability to organize, uh, their own ability to, uh, to, to create networks of uh, mutual support, of mutual aid. Uh, regardless of, of the failings of the, of the state and the government. And this is a very powerful uh, lesson, which I think will remain after this is uh, over. Now, while we are um, distracted, and perhaps rightly so, with um, the alarming issue of pandemic, uh, we lose sight of the struggles that other people are facing on top of having to deal with the pandemic. You know, the people in Bolivia have recently faced a coup. The people in Venezuela have been fighting off an ongoing attempt to overthrow their government. Um, how are solidarity movements to stay alive and what must be remembered during these times? I think now it's a very good time to argue for the end of sanctions. It is quite clear, and it's obvious to everyone, even some uh, politicians in the European Union who are not particularly friends of the revolutions in Latin America have been arguing for, for this. At a time of a, of a health emergency of this uh, size and scope, uh, it's uh, vindictive and it's cruel to maintain uh, sanctions. And the United States is, is maintaining them is insisting on maintaining sanctions on Iran, which is one of the countries worst affected by the pandemic, to maintain sanctions on uh, Venezuela, which prevents Venezuela from importing the necessary equipment, uh, funding their own uh, hospitals and so on. Uh, and I think that now it's a good time to agitate around this demand. Uh, never mind all the rest, we were still fighting for everything. But uh, now I think we should be concentrating perhaps some of our efforts on this one question, which can, uh, which can have a big impact. The, the idea of, even if it's just temporarily, lifting the sanctions so, so these countries that are subject to sanctions regime can, uh, can purchase and, uh, and acquire the necessary uh, medical supplies in order to fight the, the pandemic. In, because otherwise, 
sanctions usually in normal times kill people as a result. But in this, uh, we're now talking about imminent danger, danger of killing thousands of people just because of these uh, sanctions. And I think that this can have an impact agitating around this question uh, right now. There are many other things, like, for instance, there's a number of, uh, there's a few hundred Venezuelans in the United States who now want to return back to Venezuela, which has not been badly affected by the pandemic yet. Uh, the Venezuelan government has put at their disposal a number of uh, flights, and they say they are ready to come and, uh, to the United States and repatriate these uh, people. The United States is still insisting that Venezuelan aircraft cannot fly into the United States, even, even for this limited uh, purpose. So we should be really, really agitating around these questions. As we part, perhaps you can share with us what inspires you and what your hopes are as we not only weather this storm, but also grow stronger in our resolution for an equitable world. I will say two two things. The first one is uh, I've already mentioned that this uh, crisis has brought out the best in human uh, nature. The, the natural instinct to help uh, each other out, to organize in order to do so, the courageous efforts of frontline uh, workers uh, uh, in the health service, cleaners, cashiers in supermarkets in fighting this uh, pandemic and making sure things continue to, basic things continue to work. Uh, this is one thing. It's, uh, it's a glimpse of how society could be organized if instead of for profit, it will be organized in order democratically in order to defend the general interests of, of the people, their health care and, and, their, and their livelihoods. Number two, I think that this health crisis, this pandemic is, is bringing out the class struggle again. It's making it very clear for millions of people who never thought about politics before, the fact that uh, the private profits of capitalists are in contradiction with the lives of the of the majority, that there's no reason why this should be happening uh, at this level, that many lives could be saved if uh, all resources of society were put uh, to the disposal of this struggle. Yesterday, for instance, in the United States, uh, on, on social media, there was a, a hashtag that was trending that said, I, I, I will not die for Wall Street because some uh, governor had suggested that people should, should be glad to die uh, instead of paralyzing the economy. Uh, and they were also talking about the idea of a general strike, a, a national shutdown of the economy by the workers. So out of this crisis, many people will come to realize how wasteful and, uh, and criminal the capitalist system uh, is that puts profits before lives. And this uh, combined with the economic recession, which has been uh, aggravated and triggered by this uh, healthcare emergency, will bring out uh, a situation of one class struggle, but also uh, a deep change in the consciousness of millions of people in relation to their understanding of what capitalism is, how capitalism is a barbaric system, and how we need a different system. A process that was already had already started will be greatly accelerated by this uh, epidemic, in my opinion. Where can people reach? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, people can contact the Hands of Venezuela campaign on social uh, media, HOV campaign on Twitter, and uh, Hands of Venezuela 
www.ghostbusiness.org on uh, on the website. And I'm also on the editorial board of Marxist.com in defense of uh, Marxism, Marxist website providing analysis and uh, news about the struggle against uh, capitalism. And we, we are running a special coverage of the whole of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We carry regular news about the worker struggles in Italy, in Spain, and in other countries, and also explanation of, of what this means from the point of view of the class uh, struggle, what we've been discussing in the last uh, in the last few minutes. So people can visit that at marxist.com in defense of Marxism. Thank you again. Take care. All the best. We've come to the end of our show, Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an internationally syndicated weekly program made available through campus and community stations and available out to the world at www.latinwavesmedia.com. Visit Latin Waves Media to hear previous shows, to access resources, or support our efforts towards social change via community project engagement. Thank you and bye for now.